All right, everybody, welcome to episode 89 of the Fantasy Timeline, a proud member of the Dynasty Addicts Podcast Network. I'm Josh at Real Fantasy TL. I'm with my main man, Bill, at Super Dupa Flex. Bill, how you doing, man? Man, we're uh, it's a duet today, huh? Um, we don't have uh, our uh, special guest, so uh, it looks like you and I are going to have to actually talk today. That's uh, exciting, but doing well. How are you? Doing good, man. We're going to kick it old school. Just the two of us. Oh, jeez. Yeah, listen, I take requests. Don't you worry about it. Um, but no, man, doing good, too. Excited that we are uh, in this thing. We are we are back. It is another Wednesday. It is another time to shine. And you know what? Let's just get into the news because I'm not going to lie to you. Um Tuesday afternoon, yesterday afternoon, I said, oh, man. Actually, I'm sorry, Monday afternoon. I said, oh, man, there's not really a lot of news, you know, out here. Maybe we'll find something. Maybe we won't. Who knows? I was looking, and I, and I found this. And it is a quote from Tom Brady's personal trainer, life coach, diet guru, man of many names, Alex Guerrero who said he expects the Buccaneers QB, Tom Brady, to play at least two more seasons, allowing him to fulfill his goal of playing in the NFL until the age of 45. So this actually, we'll talk about this a little bit, but I, I want to tie it in because I always reach out. I always ask for, for questions on Wednesday afternoon just to see if anybody's got anything. And this is from friend of the show, Jerry O'Shea at Jerry Shea FF. Is Brady going to play forever? And if so, what is his value in Superflex Dynasty? So, what? you know, it, it's funny. I, I was telling you this story earlier. I'm, I'm in a league, a 16-team Superflex, traded for Tom Brady two and a half seasons ago. And have been told by people in that league, he's going to retire every year since I traded for him. Three off seasons. And all he's done is play in Super Bowls, go to new teams, play in more Super Bowls, sign extensions. Um, so is Tom Brady going to play forever, Jerry? Uh, I would love to say yes, because uh, my team won the championship in that league. But no, eventually Tom Brady will retire. I don't know if it's going to be when he's 45, 47, 50. Uh, based on what he did the second half of last year, it doesn't look like he's slowing down. So, you know, he could he could play past 45 possibly unless that cliff comes at him quick. But for value in Superflex, I mean, I don't think his value has really changed in probably less at least two seasons. You know, you kind of, you know, you're kind of hesitant because you expect the cliff to come, but then the cliff doesn't come. And I'm thinking, you know, it's a, it's a, you know, at least a first round pick in Superflex Dynasty, which is the minimum that you have to pay for any starting quarterback, in my opinion, or almost any starting quarterback in Superflex Dynasty. What do you what do you think about this? Yeah, it's 
you know, it's everything. It's kind of stayed the same, like you said. Like, you know, I think a situation got better when we went to Tampa, but then of course there is more concern as to how long his career will be. So, like now we got another year further down the line. Um, he is signed through next year. Um, so I think that's about all your ex- expectations can be. Maybe he, maybe he does retire at the end of the year. You know, just if there is some sort of physical ailment or his mind just shuts off or who who knows, right? Um, but for value, I think, I think he's probably at like a late first, like, I mean, that's kind of where it would be like, because he's super hyped right now for this season. So it's like, okay, well, you know, he didn't even figure it out till the end of the season last year. So, uh, now he's got a whole season with all of these weapons for one more year. Um, you know, people know what he wants a little bit more, you know, so it just seems like that whole team's going to be a little more efficient. So, like, I, I don't see many people willing to sell him for, like, an early second. Um, maybe if you get somebody who has a, a ton of quarterbacks and they want to get a little younger or something, they may you might be able to move some young players, you know, for not quite a first value. But I, I think that overall it is probably – going to be like 110 and 112 range um while we're talking i'll actually go on the dlf trade finder and see like what yeah the and i'll, ch- I'll chit chat while you're doing that because um i think you're dead on with value i said a first round pick and i you know i don't want people to think that i mean like trade the 101 for tom brady because that's that's silly but yeah i think that you know that one nine 109 to 112 range if, you know, especially if you're a contender, you know, this is kind of, you know, friend of the show, Rocky Petrella's strategy of, you know, getting quarterbacks like, oh, you have a Tom Brady that you don't want? All right, let me send you a late first. And, you know, his teams are usually uh, contending because he drafts, you know, he has strength at pretty much all the other positions. So, you know, he throws Brady in there for the stretch run and, uh, you know, he gets himself to the playoffs or past that. Um, yeah, that, you know, that's what I think about that. And there's, I mean, if you want to even maybe, you know, when you're talking to someone about a trade, they are super deep offensively. I mean, you talk about the big three receivers they have with Evans, Godwin, and Brown. But then, you know, Scotty Miller was doing some things last year. People like Tyler Johnson. They drafted Jalen Darden, which a lot of people, including myself, liked in the draft process. You know, then you go to running back. They got uh, they got Fournette. They got Rojo. They signed Gio Bernard. I mean, tight end. You know, O.J. Howard was good for those four, first four games until he got injured. Gronk catching two touchdowns in the Super Bowl. So he can kind of have a, a one-game explosion for you if you need it. I mean, they're just so even if they get hit with some injuries, <laughs> they're still super deep and there's still guys that Brady can throw to and hand the ball off to. So, yeah, so, I mean, so here's a few of the trades I found. Um, the first one's from June 15th Brady for a 22 second. Um, let's see, another one that was. On the 25th of June, Brady for a 22 first and Amon Ross St. Brown. Okay. Um, and then one that was last week, 
uh, Brady for a 22 first. So, so it's right in that range. Um, you know, I would think, so who knows where those, you know, those teams that traded for him are, but I would imagine they're contenders, right? which would make the most sense. So, um, so yeah, late first ish. And, um, you know, your mileage may vary depending on your league, but you might have to add a, a sweetener or something, but you know, it's, uh, it's not the worst uh, trade you could make for uh, this season. I don't think. Yeah. And I mean, like the, like the one trade you mentioned with uh, the first and uh, St. Brown, that sweetener is, is going to just be a little, you know, a little sprinkle of something. Some Somebody like say uh, a late round rookie that you took, maybe you have to throw that in or you have to throw in, a, you know, a, a third or a fourth, uh, in 2022 or maybe even 2023 if you want to kick the can down the road it's not going to be you know it's not going to be anything that breaks your back so um if you are a contender and i mean really evaluate your team (laughs) because you know this time of year everyone's a contender nobody's played games we're thinking the best about everybody and but really evaluate your team and see if you but if you're a legit contender yeah throw your first out there I mean, Brady's going to only make your team better. So that first is going to be lower than probably you expect it to be right now. So, I mean, um, the one negative is that you have to be willing to lose that completely, right? Like, because yes. that's the one thing you're you're probably not going to find somebody else that's going to be willing to trade for um, for him even next year. It, you know, you might be able to get a, a second next year, um, but. You know, if, if you're between a rock and a hard place at QB, you could do way, way worse than adding him. Yeah, and and if, you know, Brady will be playing this year and, and next year, the minimum. I mean, if he gets you, you know, if he if he wins you some money in one or both of those years, uh, it's an investment well spent. So, you know, as I said earlier, I, I was struggling to find news. And then yesterday, on you know. Oh, hell broke loose. Uh, Rams running back Cam Akers suffered a torn Achilles. That sucks, man. That, I mean, listen, I was on I was on the maybe Cam Akers is a little bit overhyped train, but, but you know, people were doing victory laps yesterday, and I don't understand it because here's my thing about this happens every year doesn't it where people do that it happens every year but you an injury doesn't prove you right because we don't know what cam Akers would have been without an injury for all i know i was dead wrong cam Akers was going to come out he was going to ball he was going to be a top five to seven running back and I would have looked foolish for saying, hey, I think we might be a little bit too high on Cam Akers. An injury doesn't prove me right. It just proved to me that, unfortunately, this player got injured. That's all that. Pr- I mean, I never walked out here predicting Cam Akers to get injured. So what am, What would I think anyone that it's be more victory lapping? I think it's more that just people are happy, that, not happy that he got hurt, per se, but that they bet against him. And maybe they're reaping the rewards of maybe having – Darrell Henderson on their teams. And so like, I think that it's like an indirect celebration and, you know, in a tasteless way. 
Yeah, and I mean, Achilles sucks. I mean, if you look at all of the um, fantasy Twitter doctors, and I'm not talking about the people that pretend they're doctors. I'm talking about the people that have actually gone to school <laughs> and do this every day. Um, returning from Achilles is, is very hard. There's not a lot of success for it in the NFL. Um, I posted in the FTC, the fantasy timeline chat. Remember, if you want to get in, just hit one of us up. You see our handles or hit us up at, at, uh, at fantasy timeline and, you know, we'll let you in. But I, I posted uh, a thread that Ethan Turner put out there and it was really good. It kind it kind of explains, you know, you know, cause a lot of people are saying, well, with modern medicine, he should be fine. And he really dove deep into what modern medicine in what modern medicine is when it concerns Achilles injury. And it's a good read. Um, if you find it, you know, Ethan Turner, um, just search him. You'll find the thread probably pretty easily, but you know, he, he's kind of almost going to be a, a test case in a way because there haven't been too many running backs as dynamic as he showed as young as he is who have tried to come back from this injury. So it'll be interesting to see um, how he, how he recovers. And, you know, I hope everything goes well for him just because, you know, I might be lower than you or anyone else on a player. It doesn't mean, you know, I want to see them hurt. I want to, you know, I want to see everybody out there playing, you know, to the best of their ability and leaving it all out on the field. So um, here's a here's a here's a good one from a friend of the show, Andrew Hall at Andrew Hall FF. Who plays a, a snap first, Deshaun Watson or Cam Akers? I, I, that's I think actually a legit good question. Um, so I'll throw it to you first, Bill. Is it is it Watson or is it Akers? Oh, I think it's Watson. Um, I have a hard time believing at this point that he's going to get suspended for a season. Um, yeah, I would think that we would have heard something by now unless he sits out, but I think that at some point he'll either get traded or whatever. I don't know. So I would bet him, um, at worst case, in my opinion, at least from what I've seen in the past, it would be a tie. (laughs) So like, you know, next year they'll, they'll probably be playing at the same time. So, um, so yeah, I would go Watson for sure. Yeah, and I'm, I'll make it two for two. I agree with you. I think at some point this season, Deshaun Watson will be playing. Um, I don't know when that's going to be. I don't know where that's going to be. But I have a feeling that, um, you know, and, and we see this all the time. The, the NFL usually likes to wait for the courts to do their thing before they institute whatever punishment they decide they're going to. Um, obviously there have been a few cases where they haven't done that. Uh, first one that pops to mind is the, uh, Ezekiel Elliott, um, situation where there was really, uh, never any court thing, but the NFL, um, instituted a penalty. Um, but we've seen for the most part, the NFL likes to sit back. They like to see what the courts decide and then kind of come in afterwards and dish out their punishment. So right now, I, I really, I'm with you. I haven't heard anything about the 
civil case that's involved. So I have to imagine that at some point the Texans will realize that Deshaun Watson is not going to play for them. He uh, does not want to play for them. And they will ship him out. I was almost going to say to the highest bidder, but it's the Texans, so maybe not. But they will ship him out. Um, So, uh, you know, I know last week or a couple weeks ago, the the hot rumor was uh, him going to Philly. Um, But who knows? (laughs) I mean, uh, at this point, anything can happen. Uh, We say the same thing about the Aaron Rodgers situation all the time. Anything can happen. So, yeah, um, we've heard that with like four teams already for him. So, I mean, for Watson. So, I think it's just making the rounds. And it's that time of year where beat writer, writers don't really know what to write about yet. So, they're like, what ifs? Let's, let's write about that. Yep. And that's, that's usually what gets the, uh, the most clicks this time of year. So, um, so yeah. So, we. We knocked out the questions. Uh, thank you, Jerry and Andrew, again for uh, for throwing those out there because it actually tied in perfectly with our news. So um, we can move uh, right on to what we do best, Bill. What we saw in the timeline. So this first one here is from David Zach at David Zach sixteen. Jamar Chase's ADP of a top 22 wide receiver in redraft still feels way too high. Hasn't played in a live game in 20 months by season start and is competing with established wide receivers and Tyler Boyd and T. Higgins, both who average six and a half plus targets per game. Going to be hard to pay off on cost. So... Scott Fishbowl season. We've been we've been doing our little redraft thing. <clears throat> um, we probably will. Um, you know, I know I usually end up in one or two more redraft between work leagues and home leagues and stuff like that. So this is an interesting topic of conversation since we are really moving into redraft draft season. Um, what do you think for redraft? Jamar Chase is top 22 too high. I don't think so. I mean, I think that it's pretty much, uh, I mean, are you sure that these other guys have the ceiling that he has? Like, I mean, that's the biggest thing. Like, yeah, he has some, you know, potential roadblocks, but at the same time, I mean, this is a guy who was drafted very early in the draft. It's not like he is a, a third round wide receiver coming out of Akron or something. You know what I mean? He's, he was the most dominant wide receiver on the most dominant offense in NCAA history. So, I mean, that's pretty, uh, you know, pretty big thing. So there's a lot of expectations. Is there some of it built in? Yes. Like, but at the same time, I mean, tell me any player in that range that you feel you're certain he's going to outperform Chase and he has even that much higher of a, uh, and has a higher ceiling than Chase. And I I don't think that there are anybody in that range. Maybe you do bust on him, but I think at that point, I mean, it's you're out of the elite wide receivers and then it's just a big puddle of sameness. 
So you got to differentiate somehow. And I'm going to go with the guy that I think has the potential to be in a high volume offense. Maybe it's not a good offense and it'll fall flat, but um, you know, maybe they do throw the ball 40 plus times and he's getting, you know, 20% of the target. So eight targets a game, that's what 130 targets in the season. So, I mean, that's pretty, then you're at Justin Jefferson levels. So I don't think that he's, that's a, an overly high ADP. Is it 22 for the wide receivers or 22 I think, overall? I, I think in his tweet, let me just pull it up again real quick. Um, he says a top 22 wide receiver in, okay. in redraft. Yeah, I don't I don't see – I think anything outside of the top 10 is reasonable. Like, But, I mean, that I'm more wired for upside at that point. Like, I'm going to – I want to take a risk on somebody that I think could be a – not just a uh, position filler, but somebody that could make a difference. Yeah, so I'm with you, Bill. I, I think that we're looking at – what like let's go back in time let's go back to lsu the reason why maybe people weren't as high on justin jefferson coming out as they should have been was because of jamar chase all right that that's you know kind of little check number one for jamar chase the time off is going to be con- a little bit concerning but let's like let's look at it it he hasn't been sitting around just eating chips and hanging out with his friends. He's been working out. He's now in an NFL organization, and I know it's the Bengals, so that can be declared debatable. But he's been working out. He's going to be in mini camps, training camp, preseason games. So he's going to have opportunities to knock the rust off. This isn't going to be – he hasn't stepped onto a football field in 20 months, week one, and good luck. He has a connection with Joe Burrow. I mean, that was his quarterback at LSU. Um, now, I'm not going to say th- this; these are stories that, you know, I've seen. But, you know, I mean, stories that I did see, Joe Burrow was lobbying management to get Jamar Chase over an offensive lineman. That could be smart. That could be dumb. You can make your decision on that. But this is a guy that Joe Burrow wanted on the team. So I'm sure they've been working out. They've been practicing. Joe Burrow has been, you know, kind of talking over the playbook with, hey, here, I want you to do this. On this play, I want you to do that. I know where the safeties are going to be. I know where the corners are going to be. And they're kind of doing that, that mental preparation already. Plus, they have chemistry from LSU. So, you know, yeah, you know, and let's look at, you know, everyone likes to bring up Justin Jefferson because he blew up last year. He had a rookie explosion. But let's downgrade it a little bit to a guy like CeeDee Lamb, who played most of the season with, you know, Andy Dalton and a busted up offensive line. And he was still in that low end, top two, high end, top three range. And we're talking about on a on a very beat up team that has a very bad defense. And I mean, guess what? Uh, Cincinnati Bengals defense ain't nothing to, to write home about. So, you know, we could see the same thing, but more if Joe Burrow plays seventeen games. 
So I have no issue at wide receiver 22. I, in redraft, I don't know the other guys in that area code. So, but I don't see a problem with taking him in that area and saying, let's see if he can ball out. Let's see if he can, you know, if he can be closer to wide receiver 12 than wide receiver 22. Yeah, I just think that there's so many players that are smashed together, um, probably from wide receiver 12 to 40, that I don't really like the differentiation between those, or at least 36. Like wide receiver twos and threes are probably pretty interchangeable for the most part. Um, it's just a matter of do you want to take somebody who has more upside or more re- reliability? And, you know, that's, I think, the. You know, that's just a personal preference, you know, the risk tolerance, that sort of thing. But 22 for him seems pretty, uh, pretty fair, if not almost a bargain in my mind. Like that's like I I could easily see him going 16 and not flinching. Well, and this this is something you've been bringing up and I I, you bring it up. You've been in the forefront, but I've always agreed with you on this. There are wide receivers everywhere. I mean. This isn't, you know, we're not talking about tight end where there's three guys and a whole lot of maybes and probably nots. This isn't running back where things dry up quickly. I mean, wide receiver, we just, you know, like you said, I mean, if Jamar Chase is 22, who's 32? We probably like that guy too. You know what I mean? Like we can, we can probably see in the range of outcomes something good happening with wide receiver 32. You know, I was listening to a podcast today where, Emmanuel Sanders is, is being taken. I believe this is in redraft wide receiver 61. Like we could see a situation where Emmanuel Sanders is wide receiver 40 and you go wide receiver 40. That sucks. Who cares? Well, you know, that's depth on your bench. And yeah. we're talking about a guy that you're getting in one of the last rounds in a redraft at wide receiver 61. That could be a flex option for you some weeks. You know what I mean? So there are guys everywhere. I mean, yeah, I got Deshaun Jackson uh, with the last pick of round 22 for um, Scott Fishbowl. It's like he's a guy that could still perform if he doesn't, you know, for week one and then never again, which is his MO because he gets hurt. But like there's a lot of guys out there that are still, you know, that you can pick and choose. I mean, those are guys you can't rely on, of course, but they're they're decent players that you can throw on the on your bench. And if they do show that they're getting the volume, you know, they're, they're a piece you can put in in a, in a flex. So yeah. Um, there's just so many wide receivers. It's crazy. Yeah. And that's the thing. Like, you know, you just said Deshaun Jackson in what you said, what's your last pick. Yeah. It was the last pick. So what is that? 22 times 12. Yeah. You know, a, a million, you know, I mean, but we, I mean, I'm I'm looking through my division Scott Fishbowl draft. Like Alan Lazard went in the 21st round. Like that was a guy that was putting up some weeks for you, you know, like uh yeah, let me just, you know, go through here, you know, Amari Rogers who's kind of a rookie that, you know, again, Green Bay that were kind of like, "Oh, maybe he could do a little something," you know, 19th round. You know, I took Denzel Mims in the 18th round. Like they're just guys every and you can, you know, you can create a, a 
a well thought out narrative of like, hey, like Denzel Mims could be the number one on the Jets. Like, is Cor- is Corey Davis really that good? You know, we we all love um, Elijah Moore for you know their draft pick this year, but he's a rook. We've never seen it happen. You know, it, it's just like you say, they're everywhere, <laughs> they're plentiful, and you know. Jamar Chase could definitely, you know, wide receiver 22. He could definitely be wide receiver, you know, 13 or 14 or 15. And we wouldn't even be shocked about it. So um, that was a good one. I, I like uh, talking to talking to David here. David Zach at David Zach 16. I don't know if I said that earlier, but um, that's why we think he could pay off. And obviously, Hey, if he's not your guy, let him slide past you at wide receiver twenty-two. But if it was uh, if it was Bill and I, I think we would be uh, scooping him up with a big smile on our face. Uh, this next one here is from B Waz at Twat Handle. You traded Dalvin Cook and the two hundred nine for CD Lamb, the two hundred five, and a twenty twenty-two first. What do you think? Uh, I'll go first on this one because um, I will proclaim my CD Lamb love. Um, I said last year that I thought in two to three years he could be a uh, a top three wide receiver in the league. So um, we'll see what happens this year. Hopefully Dak can stay healthy the entire year, and we'll see what he looks like in this offense. But um, I like this deal. I mean. Davin Cook is obviously, you know, he's a lot of people's uh, running back too. Um, I think in dynasty and in redraft. So, I mean, you need to you need to get some big time players if you're doing that. But I feel like you're getting a guy who has the potential, you know, maybe next year being a top three wide receiver. You're getting a little bit of a bump in the second round of this year's rookie draft. And then you're getting a first next year. So I think that's a, I think that's a pretty good haul for a player that um, I think most people like in Dalvin Cook. Um, Bill, you know, as someone who maybe is a little bit less uh, biased than me, what do you think about this deal? Um, That's a trade I make every time. Um, I I feel like that's, less than fair um i feel like uh the i mean it's just the right time to trade dalvin like you know next year everybody's gonna be freaking about out about his age what's your return then um we did say that there are a lot of wide receivers but at the same time you're getting a top 12 wide receiver and a first round pick um that's pretty pretty monstrous in my opinion for um for a running back who's you know gonna start depreciating now so and, and value at least so um i'm totally and he's always getting nicked up so that's the other issue so like there's a lot of a lot of things i think you're moving into safer assets and uh assets that are on the upswing not the downswing yeah and and i like the fact that you brought up the um the injury history because you brought up his age and, you know, next year he's a year older, you know, and we, you know, if people think we get scared about 
receivers as they get older. We get doubly scared about running backs as they get older. And if he's not only a year older, but he's coming off a shoulder injury or a knee injury or an ankle injury. I mean, it does, and it doesn't have to be serious. I'm not talking about, you know, torn ACL or anything like that. We're, we're going to be even more freaked out because we're like, wait a minute. Now he's a year older. Now he's coming off of this injury. We know he has an injury history. And like you said, what will his value be? It ain't going to be CD lamb a first and, and a little slight bump in the second, you know, you might be you might be lucky if you get that little slight bump in the second and a first. <laughs> Forget C D Lamb. C D Lamb isn't coming to you anymore. So um yeah, I like the deal. Um when I looked at it, I was just like, wow, like good for you. Um I wish I could pull off some trades like that. Um usually I don't get offered <laughs> trades like that. Uh but no nah, man, good for you. Um love that deal for you, B Wise. So um, give yourself a pat on the back. We're giving you a pat on the back because we uh, we we agree it's a good deal for you. So so here's a good one. I think this is one we can talk about for a little bit. So this is from Justin Wright at Justin underscore fourteen p. If Watson lands in Philly, then Dallas Goddard is a top five tight end. Devonta Smith is easily a top twenty four wide receiver. And Miles Sanders is a top 15 running back. That's a lot. That's a, uh, that's a big increase to all three of those guys. So, Bill, if Deshaun Watson gets traded to Philadelphia, obviously he's going to be starting. Can all of that stuff happen? So we looked at... Like, look, let's compare the two teams, right? They mm-hmm. both have questionable defenses, right? Mm-hmm. They both have questionable offensive lines. Um, the strength, you would argue, is the wide receivers and Houston last year compared to Philly. Um, the strength for Philly is the tight ends. Um, running backs also, probably. So um, so then what happened last year? Um David Johnson was a top 12 running back, I think, or something like that, um, in a points per game. Mm-hmm. So, like, that's pretty – I mean, that could happen, I guess. Um, they, Cooks and um, and Fuller, points per game, did really well. Um, probably both top 24 guys, right? So, mm-hmm. I mean, I think that uh, – you know, that's possible for, um, you know, Devonta Smith. Um, and then Goddard, you know, if he's the other option, the only thing that I find might be an issue for Goddard, and that's probably the one that I'm most hesitant on, is that he, you know, Watson's a guy who likes to launch the ball downfield. And he's kind of like, um, you know, ad libs and that sort of thing. And he's always looking for the guy down the field. And is that going to be Dallas Goddard? And I don't think that's necessarily what his game. He's much more of your prototypical tight end. So um, that would be my biggest concern. I think the other two are very possible. Um, I think the most exciting thing would just be that, um, you know, Watson would be on the field. <laughs> so like, I mean, he's he's the um, 
it's going to take a while for him to get used to the system too, right? So it's not something that would be immediate. Plus you have, are they going to want to like plug in uh, um, Jalen Hurts a little bit? You know, what are they going to do? Or is he just sit on the bench? You know, like what's, what's, are they going to try to do some funky stuff with two quarterbacks? Um, but yeah, I think Goddard would be the one that I'm like most hesitant to say, yes, that will happen. Um, especially if they don't trade Ertz for whatever reason. Yeah, so it's funny because you mentioned Jalen Hurts. And the first thought in my mind was, well, Jalen Hurts won't be there because if I was the Texans, Jalen Hurts would be part of the package. But then I was like, well, wait a minute. That's rational thinking, and that doesn't always line up with the Houston Texans. So Jalen Hurts could still be in Philadelphia. So, But um, you're right. It's less likely, yeah, now that you say that. You know, but I I sometimes try to apply rational thinking to the Texans, and then I have to remember that they are the Texans and that applying rational thinking may not be uh, what I should do. But I I actually feel like he undersold Devonta Smith with Watson there, and he may have oversold the other two. I think if I think if Deshaun Watson is there, Devonta Smith could be like top fifteen ish, and I just think that he he is going to use um, use him kind of like he used Brandon Cooks and have you know have him be that like number one guy, even though he doesn't look like he should be able to do all the number one guy type things. Um. Goddard, I think, is talented, but man, I mean, you you know, if you look at, you know, tight end five, you have the big three, you know, barring injuries. You know, a lot of us, including I think the two of us, love TJ Hawkinson. Um, Mark Andrews is a guy that we may slam what he did last year, but he was still top five, top six. You know, we got five guys right there. And then if you start bringing in, you know, people's love, love childs, like, you know, your, your Adam Troutmans and your Robert Tanyans and your, you know, those type of guys, um, I think top five might be a little rich. I think he's talented. I do. But, um, you know, I, I would see it being hard for him to, um, to do that, to, to be top five with those five guys there. Uh, and then you, you know, you're talking about Miles Sanders. Man, I don't know what that run offense is going to look like because um, what we saw in, in Indianapolis, you know, with Naheem Hines and, you know, Jonathan Taylor and, you know, we, we see kind of they like to use a bunch of different, not a bunch of different guys, but at least two or three different guys. Could he, could Miles Sanders be top 15 in a rotation if other guys are being involved? You know, Kenny Gainwell was drafted there. Um, I think they got Jordan Howard back. Um, so I know there's a couple other guys there. So those, I think those two may have been oversold a little bit and I think actually Smith may have been uh undersold a little bit but 
I mean, Deshaun, listen, I'm a Cowboys fan, but Deshaun Watson in the NFC East, that would just be fun. Uh, <laughs> it would be fun to see him, you know, um, airing it out to, you know, and, you know, can he make Jalen Rager thing? You know, Jalen Rager was kind of that, that deep threat guy. I was never high on him, but I mean, Deshaun Watson could definitely, uh, could definitely do it. So that, that was fun. That, that was one that I knew we could uh, discuss a little bit on. And I wasn't sure if we were going to feel the same way about it, but I, I feel like uh, we may have differed a little bit, but I don't think we differed too far to where uh, we could get into argumentative banter, you know, because um, now obviously, you know, Bill says uh, you trade Trey Sermon to the Eagles and then watch out, you know, then it, then it really uh, takes the top off the, uh, the old uh, offense there. But uh, uh, here's a good one here from uh, our man, the dynasty trades guy at dynasty trader Two. which QB would you rather in dynasty Josh Allen or Kyler Murray? This is a good one. Cause this is two guys that, uh, that we all love. Um, I know, uh, third host of the timeline, Drew, big, uh, big Bills fan. So obviously, you know, he's on the, thanks Drew. appreciate you. Yeah. We, uh, he's, he's going to be on that Josh Allen train, but, uh, Bills fans, not a bill fan. No, not a bill fan. You got, you got plenty of those. I mean, I know you have to shut down the DM sometimes because of all the fans, but a, a Bills, a Buffalo Bills fan. Um, so we'll go from the Buffalo Bills to the fantasy timeline, Bill. Um, who do you have? Who do you like more in Dynasty, the long-term view? Is it Josh Allen or is it is it Kyler Murray? I mean, I think long-term, I think I have to go with Josh Allen just because of his build, his, um, you know, I think – there's always the potential of uh, Kyler deciding to go play baseball at some point. You know, there's, I mean, it's not a huge threat, but it's always still something like in the back of your uh, mind um, that he may, and plus just his size, you know, that's something that's always going to be like, man, is he going to get just lit and injured? Um, Is he going to be able to truly make all the throws, you know, because of his height, there's, always going to be those questions. So uh, when I get an elite quote unquote elite quarterback, I want somebody that I feel comfortable with just plugging in and knowing that um, I don't have to worry about that kind of stuff. Usually Um, granted there is a little, um, you know, you're, you're, I think you're giving up a little upside by going Josh Allen. Um, But I, I like, I would prefer the, the safety of him a little bit more. Yeah, I was I was hoping that you would say Kyler so we could uh so we could argue a little bit. But um I, I gotta I think I, I like Josh Allen, you know by a little bit. And and here's the thing, I, I think Kyler is a top five to seven ish quarterback and, and the guys in that territory, I think, are separated by very little. I mean, you kind of have Mahomes, who is on his own little planet, but then you have, you know, your Josh Allen, your Kyler Murray's, 
your Dak Prescotts, and I think all those guys, Lamar Jackson, I think all those guys are separated by very little. So you can make you can make easier arguments for any of those guys. Um, but yeah, I go Josh Allen here. I like, um, and it looks like two thirds of the people did as well. Yeah, it was about 65-35 uh, in favor of Josh Allen. Um, I like they both have they both have an elite number one option. You have Diggs in Buffalo. You have uh, D Hop in Arizona. You know, and then you know I think the secondary weapons might be a little bit better in Buffalo. I mean, you have Emmanuel Sanders. You maybe have Cole Beasley. That's the whole issue in and of itself. Um, I like the the coaching staff better in Buffalo. Um, yeah. So I, I give it a, a slight edge in in those departments, you know. But I mean, listen, you can you can argue Kyler Murray, you know, the rushing upside, and I know Josh Allen has it as well, but not to the same level. But not to the same level. Um, I could be wrong about the secondary weapons. What if you know uh, Rondell Moore? is that dude that we thought he was a couple of years ago and he comes out and he flashes, you know, what if, you know, AJ green actually has a quarterback that can throw him accurate passes, you know, like the, you know, that could, you know, that could be a little one year explosion from AJ green, you know, um, the run, I, I, I would say the running game is better in, Arizona, which is a weird thing to say <laughs> when you're talking about Jace, uh, Jace, Chase Edmonds and James Conner, but I think, you know, they might have a slight advantage over Moss and Singletary. So, I mean, you can make the argument both ways, but I think dynasty drafts have been showing us that Josh Allen is, at least in ADP, is being taken higher than Kyler Murray. So it's not like I'm coming up with crazy thoughts and ideas, you know, but um, anything else that you, that you can think about um, on this subject? I mean, the defense, I mean, the bills have a much better defense. So that would be my one concern is that it might be a little more limiting um, for fantasy, but um you know, I, I I just prefer the I think the more um long term safety. But other than that, no, I think we covered it. I think I think we did too. And um we like we blew through these questions today. Usually we like we talk and have banter, but I guess we're just like down to business today. Well, we we have usually have a third voice uh, talking as well, so that probably adds twenty five minutes or twenty it minutes. Probably, so. It probably does, but you know what? Since we have a little bit of extra time, I want to I want to circle back to the Cam Akers thing because we kind of talked about Cam Akers and mm-hmm. all that. But uh, you know, I'll be the uh, I'll be the timeline here, and I'll ask the question: What do you think? If you're a Cam Akers owner, what would you realistically take in a trade for Cam Akers? And you could talk about draft picks. You could talk about players if you want. It doesn't really doesn't have to be one or the other. It could be both. But if I don't have Akers anywhere, 
I don't know if you do. I have them in one league out of 20. Okay. So combined, we have very little exposure to Cam Akers. Um, but what, if you have him, what would you – you have him in one league. What would you take for him? I mean, I'm not selling a second. Like, I'm not taking a second. That would just be a waste of my time. Right. Honestly, I'd rather just hold and hope. Um, mm-hmm. You know, you still, regardless if you trade him or you don't, it's still the same amount of roster spots he's taken up this year. Like, you can throw him on the IR. You can just let him sit, see what happens next year. So, Husker uh, said 22 first, and I think that's exactly where I have to be. Um there's that's that's kind of the value I would need to get. Otherwise, I would just hold and hope that he comes back. And um, there will be people, even if he doesn't get back to who he is, I would consider if I can't get that now, I'm going to make a move for um, I'm going to make a move next like training camp so that I can get um, get the value then because I'm I'm not. As much as like um, Ethan was talking about that there is a road, you know, a path to recovery, there's still percentages you have to play. And and the, the burst that these players lack after, after um, you know, blowing out their Achilles, um, we've seen that. And, I mean, there's not one running back that we can point to that says he was – he successfully came back and had the same burst he did pre so um so that and and power right like that's the other thing so it's like um i i would still be trying to move him before the season starts but i so i would make sure if i don't get what i want now i'm gonna wait till next camp get what i can then which isn't gonna be much less than what i could now right so um, i'm willing to roll the dice then um yeah. And and here's here's an interesting one. I think I know your answer, Bill, but I'll shoot it to you. Henderson for acres. I mean, that's an interesting one because like if you do need a running back, I mean you're still it's not like Henderson did terribly when he was getting the opportunity last year. Um on like, averages, they, they they were kind of the same guy, Cam yeah. and, and Darrell Henderson. And Henderson was doing that against um defenses that weren't as tired. Right. You know, like, so, like, I that's an, a kind of trade that I would definitely consider um, if I need a running back. Um, if I feel like, like, at least then I get this year to maybe sell him if I want to. If I'm not sold on Henderson, I still think he's going to be the guy that gets most of the touches regardless of who they sign at this point. You know, like, I think that he'll be the guy that's the most dynamic, the guy that, you know, he made maybe not the most touches, but he's going to be the most efficient and he's going to be the guy that, you know, is probably the fantasy relevant running back in that, on that team. So that would definitely be something I would consider because like in our FTC, we were talking about like, what would it take for you to sell Henderson? I mean, I'm not selling him for a second. Nope. So like two, would you do it for two seconds? I mean, that's kind of like right at the cusp of what I would be like, maybe willing to sell him if I just, I don't need him. And it's just like, okay, I don't really believe in him long-term get two seconds for him, call it a day. Like, I mean, that's kind of right in that, you know, 
that acres value. So like, I, I don't see, I think that that's a trade that's definitely worth considering if you are in that situation. Yeah. So <laughs> I'm, I'm looking at the Rams schedule just cause I kind of want to see like, is there, you know, where might be the window to sell them? Man, they, they start off with some, some defenses, you know, their first three are bears, Colts, bucks. Yikes, that's kind of a, a murderer's row. And it really it doesn't get better. I mean, you know, they they play, yeah. I mean, they have a stretch in October and November where they go kind of Lions, Texans, Titans. That, Did you that, say, what was it, Bills, Colts, Bucks? Bears, Colts, Bucks. Or Bears. I mean, the Bears aren't that, like um... – daunting in my opinion so i don't know man i I still think they're i think they're pretty good they may not be an elite defense but i don't think they're a defense that you rub your hands and go okay my my guy can go off today now yeah it's not the easiest start but you keep in mind that you know they got a new quarterback they got a lot of things going for them they have a good defense so there's uh you know they the matchup between the bears and the rams is is pretty tasty in my opinion for the Rams as a whole. So, I mean, the Colts, who knows with Wentz, right? Like, I mean, there's a lot of things like that could just either fall great for them or be, be rough. You're right. Like it's not, but I don't think it's anything I'm like totally thinking, Oh, this is terrible matchups. Well, I'm, I'm looking at the defenses and yeah, I'm going, right. yeah. and I'm going, you know, but game script is important. The game script for the running back, you know, is important, but you know, uh, you know, forget, forget what Twitter will be like if Darrell Henderson against the, the bears or the Colts has, you know, 20 carries for 75 yards, you know, we'll, we'll all be losing our minds about why, you know, we'll be, why didn't we trade Darrell Henderson in July when we had the chance, you know, I'd be stoked and, for 20 carries. You kidding I, me? I, I mean, but yeah, everybody's I'm, gonna freak out about we, everything because that's what Twitter does. I mean, I know we're hyping, you know, we're hyping up Xavier Jones and Jake Funk, and who knows, maybe one of those guys turns into something. But right now, it's Darrell Henderson and a whole lot of nada, in my opinion. I, I, you know, listen. Week one of the season, maybe one of those two guys blows up during uh, uh during the preseason games and they look like legit contenders but right now I don't see a player on that roster and I honestly don't see any players that are available for free for through free agency excuse me that really get signed that you go oh man Darrell Henderson has just lost a ton of value I mean I've heard you know what about a Todd Gurley reunion what about a, a Lev Bell coming over? What about Frank Gore? I mean, but we saw those guys last year. And, you know, they all they all had their heyday. <laughs> oh, Peterson <laughs> was another one. So it's all Peterson, these, you yeah. know, those guys all had, and honestly, Peterson, as crazy as this might sound, might be the guy that takes away the most value. But you're not like, you're not panic selling Henderson if Adrian Peterson signs tomorrow. 
You know, you're right. not like, crap, let me get what I can get now because Adrian Peterson is on the team. You know, and barring a massive blockbuster deal, I don't I don't see a lot of guys. You know, people have said, you know, what about Melvin Gordon? I mean, if the Rams can pull off that trade, yeah, Melvin Gordon is a guy that I'd be like, all right, he takes some serious value away from Darrell Henderson. But, I mean, you're talking about a team that's devoid of draft picks and it is close to the cap. I don't see that as a trade they make. Yeah, it'd have to be something where, like, basically the team would, they'd have to trade for somebody or the team, somebody would have to cut a player so they could sign him for league minimum. And and that's about the only option they have. So, um, it, yeah, it's going to be tough for them. And, you know, maybe they just become more of a passing offense now. And, you know, that's a that's another thing. But that's not a bad thing for Henderson. So, like, I mean, everything – the whole situation is a positive for him. Now, mind you, he may he may go do terribly, you know, and, and that could be. But he's shown enough to me in the last two years that he's capable – like, is it going to be, like, you know, the most dynamic and, you know, just the – is he going to be, a, like, an RB6 or something? You know, doubtful. But can he be a decent RB2 for you? Yeah, I think so. And he, he ain't going to be running up against stacked boxes. I mean, you got Stafford back there. You got Woods and Cup. Uh, you mentioned, you know, Deshaun Jackson. You still got uh, Van Jefferson. They drafted Tutu Atwell in the second. You know, people are still trying to get back on the uh, the Higby train. So there are some guys there that you know you can't you can't stack the box. You can't just be like, well, we're going to put nine in the box versus Darrell Henderson and let Matt Stafford beat us because he he will definitely beat you if that's the uh, the plan of attack you take. But um, all right. So I, w- I want to flip it now. You want to acquire Cam Akers? What are you? What are you trying to give up? And I saw you nod your head. You ain't trying to acquire. <laughs> I'm really not. Like I mean that that's a tough one. Just because I have no hope for him to be anything like he was pre-injury. Uh, it's just unfortunate. But that's that's kind of how. These injuries, until you show me, like, people are going to be willing to take risks on these guys. And, you know, sooner or later, it's going to pay off, right? Because medicine is going to get that much better, and they're going to be able to, you know, salvage uh, the situation for that particular player. But, I mean, you just got to think of, like, how much are you really gaining if they end up coming back to who they were, right? Like, so what was he worth maybe a mid, mid-first um, during the rookie draft, maybe. Yeah. So, like, let's say even like let's say 104, 105 range. So, like, okay, if you give up a second for him, what do you do? You gain like a round in value. But how many times could you be making that risk with different running backs with that injury, and then you you end up with a net negative, even if he hits. Right. Uh, you know, maybe if you if this is the first trade you ever make for a player with an injury like this in the same situation and he hits, hey, great, it's a profit. But I can't bank on that. So I'd rather let it happen once before um, – it's just not worth the risk to me, like, for the benefit. 
um, to the fact that I'm not even sold on him pre-injury because everything he did was at the end of the season. So I always have a hard time buying in because it's just a whole different situation when you have a fresh back coming in against tired defense at the end of the season and not every defense is still playing hard. So like I, you know, we've seen it year in year, year out where these guys at the end of the season end up busting the following year. And it's very rarely is it where they carry it on to the next, uh, you know, Damian Williams, uh, Kenyon Drake, uh, you know, it's like, these same types of guys. I mean, I grant he's younger and everything. So, I mean, there is a little bit of a different hope and that sort of thing, but I don't know. I'm just not really willing to like, would I give a second for him in a, a, the right league? Probably. Um, you know, if I'm a, a middle to late pick, I would be willing to do that, but I wouldn't expect anybody to accept that trade offer. Yeah, and, and I'm with you. It's funny. We we play the game so similarly and so differently at the same time. But I, I'm with you on on the Cam Akers thing. It's just like reading everything that's out there by like actual, you know, like I said, by actual doctors, not by people who, you know, pretend to have a medical degree. You know, the while the likelihood of him coming back and playing is high, the likelihood of him coming back and being the player that he was is, is low. And at that point, what do I, you know, you know, if, if I trade the second, like you said, in your scenario, I'm probably not getting first round camp makers, probably getting a guy who's worth a second round. So really I didn't, I didn't cash in on some big profit. I just kind of broke even. And at that point, you know what? I'll save the second and, and try to try to cash in on, you know, maybe a young guy who who didn't get a bunch of playing time, you know, or an older vet to put me over the top. You know, like I would rather use my second in that scenario than in a scenario where my probably my most likely outcome is that I break even. So. That, the, that, the only yeah. way I do it is if I'm really hard up at running back and it's just like, okay, if I can break even fine, but at least I have a running back next year. Right. Like that's the only time I make that decision. It's not like, you know, trying to, uh, you know, buy a scratch off and hope it hits. It's more of like, right. All right. I'm spending five bucks so I can get eight bucks next year. You right. know? <laughs> yeah. And, and that's, and you know, that's a good point. And honestly, you know, pro- probably the best time to pull pull off a deal is like right around midseason. We're like, we're not talking about Cam Akers anymore because he's not on the field. So, you know, it's what we do. We're not talking about him out of sight, out of mind. He's on someone's roster. You know, maybe that team is, you know, is doing well. And you go, hey, this Cam Akers isn't going to help you, but I have this, you Here's know, Jarvis Landry. Yeah. Like here you go. Or like kind of like what Wayne Gallman did last year for the giants after Saquon got hurt. Like, Hey, yeah. here's this guy who's not really good, but he's getting all the carries because everybody else is injured. Like you need, you need some help in the playoff push. Here's a guy, you know? Yeah. And that's really, 
I, I, you know, I think trying to sell him now is, you know, is not a good exercise because, you know, we're on Twitter. We see all, all the Twitter docs coming out and kind of putting their two cents on it and, you know, kind of putting their experience in the forefront and projecting, you know, the range of outcomes for what could happen in this situation. But in October, Twitter docs are going to be talking about whoever got injured last week and what their range of outcomes. No one's going to be talking about them. And that's kind of, if you, if you want them, I think that's the time to strike. Obviously you risk it. Someone could swipe in, you know, beforehand and make that trade. But I'm, I'm not trying to pay, you know, the hope tax on Cam Akers and, you know, finding out that Cam Akers isn't worth a first anymore. He's worth a second because he's lost some of that explosiveness. He's lost some of that bounce because of the injury. Um, so, I mean, I'm with you, man. I'm not, I'm not trying to trade for him. Uh, I received a trade offer for Cam Akers and honestly, I rejected it. And my response uh, in MFL was running backs with Achilles injuries, you know, the odds aren't that good. And that's what I put, because I mean, maybe I'm not, you know, enough of a gambler <laughs> to, to, uh, to play, you know, the dynasty game, but I, I don't, you know, I'd rather make a, a, you know, I'd rather put a gamble on, you know, a rookie, you know, we, we were joking about this earlier before the, uh, before the pod started, you know, Fad. I was talking about Fad Moss last year, and when he was in Washington, now he's in Cincinnati. You know, saying, "Hey, they don't have any real tight ends. Like, why not Fad Moss?" You know, with a late round pick. And though, you know, I guess those are the gambles I'm trying to make. The gambles where it's like, oh, if you lose, you didn't really lose anything, but if you win, you can really cash in. I feel Cam Akers is almost the opposite. Like. If you win, you're not really winning much. But if you lose, you're probably losing a lot. So, you know, I guess it's just uh, risk tolerance. So that that was a good little good little way to end the show with a little Cam Akers discussion. What we want to do, what we don't want to do with him, and you know, what I want to do right now is uh, thank everybody that was in the chat because uh, we had some good. Uh, some good discussion there. Steve was hitting us up with some trade scenarios. Um, Husker was telling us, Hey, you know, he, you know, Bill loves his yay bill from Steve. Um, Husker DKB was hitting us with some ideas, what he would want for acres, who he would trade for, uh, for acres. Um, when the chat is lit, it just makes the show so much better. Uh, we get to, we get to feed off of you guys. So remember, if you're watching this on YouTube, even if you're watching this later on, you ain't watching live, remember to, uh, to hit the bell, subscribe, um, because not only do you get us, but if that's not exciting enough, the, the junkies, man, the dynasty junkies, man, they've just been, they've been doing more live stuff. If you were uh, hitting that bell, you would have gotten the little uh, alert last week when Rocky had James Roday from Psych, A Million Little Things on. That was a good one. So if you're watching this and you haven't watched that yet, 
We're going to wrap up in about a minute. Go over there and watch that because, man, that was so much fun. I was watching it at work, which I don't normally do. And then um, I had to stop watching because we had a lot of work coming and I had to stay focused. But um, I ended up finishing it up later on. They're awesome. The Trade Addicts go live sometimes on that as well. So not only are you getting us, you're getting the junkies, you're getting the addicts sometimes. So do that. And if you're listening to us on podcast, thank you guys too, because an hour and seven minutes, you can literally be doing anything else, but you have listened to us and our thoughts and feelings and my general uh, shenanigans. And um, just remember too, for some reason you haven't hit subscribe on that yet, hit subscribe. Um, Leave a rate and review as well, because it helps us get out in front of people so that more people can listen to us and, uh, Maybe we can help at least one person this year do something well on their uh, on their fantasy football teams. So on that note, Bill, we are getting out of here. Late.